seated. The theme for this fourth Sunday in Advent is love. And so I have a question for us. How far will you, how far will we go uh, to love? And our answer to this question may depend on our definition of love. The great theologian J.I. Packer in his wonderful work, Knowing God, writes this. God's love is an exercise of his goodness toward individual sinners, whereby having identified with their welfare, he has given his son to be their savior and now brings them to know and enjoy him in a covenant relationship. And as we have heard of Packer's definition for love, we we pick out action words like exercising his goodness, identifying with mankind, sending his son, saving sinners, bringing the saved into a covenant of relationship. Love is action. And we certainly see this in Packer's definition, but more, Packer's definition simply echoes the biblical definition of love, which defines love as action. So if you have your Bibles or use the Pew Bible, turn with me to 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Let us hear God's word, God's word for God's people. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. The word of the Lord is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. It revives the soul, and may it revive our souls uh, today. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to this passage of Scripture, just to look at it briefly, uh, remind us of how infinitely, how thoroughly you have loved us. And may we be reminded that the way we love one another pictures you. And by your grace, because we've been loved of you, may we take this exhortation from John that we also ought to love one another. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this passage from John defines love in terms of action. God's loving action came at a cost. God sent God gave, verse 9, his one and only son. Another passage of scripture, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The action of God sending or giving his son. God's loving actions identified his son 
with us, love manifested among us, John says in verse 9. In the incarnation, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, was born of a woman in a lowly manger, taking a human nature to fully identify with us. Packer said in his definition that Jesus came and identified with our welfare. And as Bill read just a moment ago from John chapter 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And another passage speaks to the incarnation, Jesus coming and taking a full human nature. Hebrews two seventeen through 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Just as a pastoral note, isn't that fantastic? Think about how many times we are tempted. And to think Jesus was tempted like we are. Man, we can flee to him when we're tempted, can't we? Because he knows what it's like. God's love displayed in the incarnation culminates on the cross. Jesus was, verse 10, the propitiation for our sin, the the atoning sacrifice for our sin. You know, this week, this Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, this whole season of Advent we've been observing and celebrating and thinking about the tender Christmas story, but the tender Christmas story, the gentle Mary laying Jesus in in the crib must always be viewed in light of Good Friday, the cross, and Easter morning, the resurrection. Why did God the Father send his son to make, to take a human nature? The answer is given in many places of scripture, but most profoundly it's given in Galatians 4, 4 through 5. We'll look at this passage again more fully, Christmas Eve night. But Paul says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The most important question is not how far will we go to love. The most important question is how far has God gone to love us. And 1 John 4 that we read earlier shows us just how far God has gone to love us. He has loved us in an infinite measure by sending Jesus to redeem us from our sin that we might be the adopted sons and daughters of the living God. Recently, I came across the words of an inmate who was serving time in prison. And apparently there was a 
a Christian who was, had a prison ministry and he was talking with this inmate. And the inmate said something like this, I have hope. If, if God the Father went so far to save sinners, to send his son to be born in a dirty, filthy, lowly manger, I have hope that Jesus can go so far and come to me, a dirty, filthy inmate locked up in prison for my crimes. God's loving actions in Jesus have no boundaries. God's loving actions in Jesus has no barriers. God's loving actions in Jesus have no restrictions. No sinner is too sinful. No sinner is too dirty. No sinner is too far gone that the love of God through Christ Jesus cannot be poured out on that individual and redeem them for the purpose of making them the sons and daughters of the living God. How far has God gone to love us from the glories of heaven to the depth of humiliation of the manger and the cross. That's how far God has gone to love you and me. God pursues us in love for our good, but God also pursues us in love for his glory and his gladness. Again, I would quote from Packer, God was happy without humans before they were made, writes Packer. He would have continued happy had he simply destroyed them after they had sinned. But as it is, he has set his love upon particular sinners. And this means that by his own free voluntary choice, he will not know perfect and unmixed happiness again until... He has brought every one of them to heaven. He has, in effect, resolved that henceforth for all eternity, this happiness shall be conditioned upon ours. Thus, God saves not only for his glory, but also for his gladness. When you stop and think about it, one of the most incredible titles that we bear is this this simple title of beloved. John in 1 John starts our passage with beloved. And in verse 10, verse 11 rather, uh, John again, he again repeats that title beloved. When he says beloved, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We are the beloved of God, not because we have loved God, but because God has gone so far to love us. He has placed his love on us. And we should be willing to go as far as necessary as the beloved of God to love one another. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that your love for us is infinite, that you have 
gone so far to love your people. And Father, I pray that you might encourage us, those who have received your redeeming love, that we would live our lives out of that and love one another. In Jesus' name, amen.